sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series. Here's the 0-1. This is going to be a tough play. Play it. The Cubs win the World Series. You are locked on Cubs. Your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. But we didn't come here to drink beer. We came here to win this ball game. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I said to the Uber boy, I said, take me out with the crowd. What's going on, Cubs fans? You're listening to Locked On Cubs, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Sean Sears, and on today's episode, we are talking about the Cubs trying to get the final touches on their opening day roster with a backup catcher. We'll go through the two names that have popped up. One you might know, former Cub, another one, a veteran with the Pirates to get released, and it sounds like it's expected he is going to sign with the Cubs. We'll talk about those two options in the first segment. And then in the second segment, we're going to talk about the Cubs rotation. Uh, despite there being some mainstream expectations of lower, <laughs> lower perform, worse performances basically than we saw in 2020 and 2019, um, along with the projection systems just being altogether down on the Cubs, there's a lot of positive um, love for the Cubs rotation that's been come out the last couple days that I wanted to touch on here in the second segment. Um, so we'll go through the Cubs rotation one more time here, even though we've kind of talked about a lot. I think it's a big part of the Cubs success here in 2021, obviously, as pitching as always, but more so this year than it has been in others. Um, and then finally, we're going to touch on some of the updates from Marquee. Apparently, they're not going to have people wear suit and ties. That's great. Whatever. How about maybe figuring out if we can uh, get the channel back on streaming services? Whatever. Um, and then we'll touch upon the Sammy Sosa anniversary of the trade opposite with the White Sox and why the Cubs still kind of pretend he doesn't exist. Um, weirdly, I saw them share multiple Facebook videos the last couple days about Sammy Sosa, but uh, if you were to step foot in Wrigley Field, it was like the guy never existed outside of maybe the occasional Sosa jersey you might see at Wrigley. So we'll talk on that and why that should probably change. But to start at the show, let's talk about these two catchers. It's Jonathan Lucroy and Tony Walters. Uh, Lucroy obviously spent uh, the 2019 season, I believe, with the Cubs for a moment um, as a backup catcher. Didn't really do much. I think he eventually got let go or after the end of the season, but was on the Cubs roster pretty much up until, uh, I mean, I think they got eliminated from the postseason that year. So uh, they weren't, they didn't qualify for the postseason in 2019. So he was done after that season, but uh, serviceable, pretty good backstop defensively. He's older now. Uh, Tony Walters. Another guy, though, too, uh, veteran type of guy, left-handed bat. I think that's really why the Cubs want to have him as maybe a platoon option. Realistically, though, I think none of these guys are going to stay on the roster very long. Um, I think they're more so looking at a guy like Luke Roy or Walters because they could uh, essentially let them go after P.J. Higgins gets healthy or Austin Romine, for that matter, gets healthy. Um and uh, they could then easily DFA them without really any repercussion as opposed to, like, signing someone to an actual deal. You might have to pay something back, take some type of salary hit later on, whatever have you. Um, they can just kind of cut these guys and be done with it. So that's really kind of the uh, the option there. Walters, uh, neither of these guys are necessarily world beaters. You're not expecting as such. You look at the backups. I've seen people on Twitter, like, looking at who's out there right now. It's like Russell Martin, Rene Rivera might be a little bit of an upgrade defensively. But, um, you know, realistically, these guys are going to play maybe once or twice a week. Um, it's not a huge, um, a huge import of huge importance, but obviously, I, I you know, Tony Walters isn't going to provide much uh, offensively and defensively. Like he's he's probably the better option, one of the better options out there. But like that defensive ability doesn't really help you much if he's only playing like once or twice a week. Really, that kind of cancels itself out if he's not 
he's going to be essentially zero at the plate, especially if like the <laughs> the biggest aspect of him is he's a left-handed bat. If he's not bringing anything to the plate, it doesn't really matter what side of the plate he's hitting from. It doesn't, you know, that's not helpful. But that being said, if you are familiar with Tony Walters, as uh, Brett Taylor points out in his article today from uh, Bleacher Nation, uh, it's probably one of two reasons. Either you're an absolute baseball nerd and keep tabs on all backup catchers around the league, which I know some people do, um, or you remember that he was the guy who got the game-winning 13th inning hit against the Cubs in the 2018 wildcard game with the Rockies. Uh, Yeah, obviously, (laughs) if if you remember Tony Walters, it's probably that horrific 13-inning funeral of a wildcard game that we've had to sit through in 2018. Um, But Heyman's reporting that he's hearing that the veteran catcher Tony Walters will likely head to the Cubs after opting out of his uh, contract with the Pirates. Uh, Seems like the Cubs are really reluctant to give the backup position to a rookie like P.J. Higgins, um, who did not play at all last year. that kind of makes sense. Austin Romine obviously hurt. Walter seems like he's that guy. Uh, he's 28, I mean, veteran sort of guy, but he's, I mean, weighted runs creation plus of 57, uh, a slash line of 238, 332, 319. Um, like I said, really great defensive guy, really strong um, uh, uh, framing ability behind the plate. He's a guy that, uh, you know, not going to bring you much offensively, but defensively, there's very few guys behind the plate that can frame better than Walters. So um, that's probably their big aspect. Obviously, he's a left-handed guy, but, um, you know, it, what what does it matter? Uh, he's got a pretty nasty career line <laughs> against righties. Doesn't necessarily hit well road splits, home splits, not much of a difference away from Coors. Uh, you know, you see the numbers, the 357 on base percentage compared to a 289 on base percentage from away from Coors these last couple of years. Yeah, that's not, uh, you know, <laughs> there's nothing. It, this isn't that big of a signing here, but it's the last roster spot and something that obviously Walters is going to get some opportunities because Wilson can't catch every single gay. Um, so it makes sense. They want to lean with a guy who at the very least has a strong background defensively and shouldn't have really any issue kind of getting himself acclimated to this pitching rotation if necessary. What's up, Cubs fans? We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is an amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Uh, <laughs> crazy stuff going on. Uh, basically, Built Bar is running a March Madness tournament with their bars. So head to BuiltBar.com or excuse me, yeah, head to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKDOWN15 to get yourself 50% off your next order, but also head to BuiltBar.com or go to Built underscore bar, bar underscore Built, excuse me, on Twitter to check out the uh, the bracket. It's been going on for a couple weeks now. Um, <laughs> just really cool stuff. Uh, awesome marketing from Built Bar and also awesome opportunity for you guys to get some of their newer bars. I just got sent a new box of bars and as well as like they actually had like protein powder, pre, pre-workout stuff. Really cool. They've just got a lot of different products that I honestly wasn't familiar with until I got a care package for it. But head to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get yourself 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and see who is and what is the best tasting protein bar out there. Make sure you're checking out the latest episode of Locked On Today. Get all sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Audacity app or wherever you get podcasts. That's uh, 
Odyssey, excuse me, not Audacity. Um, Odyssey, actually, uh, big news, actually, for the Lockdown Network. Entercom uh, decided uh, to become a partner with Lockdown and actually allowed us to get up on what used to be the Radio.com app is now Odyssey. Uh, and you can actually find all of the Lockdown podcasts on Odyssey now, which is really cool. Um, so if you search Cubs in the Odyssey app, which used to be Radio.com, I'm, I think, one of the first podcasts that pops up, which is very cool and uh, something I, I really do appreciate. But check out Odyssey uh, for all your sports stuff. I mean, I use radio.com a lot of times to listen to 670, the score, ESPN 1000, those type of things. Uh, it's great. It's a great place for that. But uh, here in the second segment, we're talking about the Cubs rotation. As I, I tease at the top of the show, there's a lot of um, positive talk about this rotation, despite a lot of projections just <laughs> really down on the Cubs, even like as recently, I think six, uh, 538 project, excuse me, projected the Cubs to have a chance of like, I think 22% to win the NL Central. Um, the very slim playoff odds. Um, <laughs> I think 32% or something like that out of the NL Central collectively for playoff potential. So, like, obviously, uh, this isn't <laughs> – this, you know, whatever. I, I don't really hold much stock into those projection systems as we've seen them you get, get a lot of things wrong, a lot of things right. They were kind of correct on the Cubs in 2019 when they were projecting somewhat of a, a downfall a little bit offensively. That did happen, but um, – I look at this rotation, and obviously everyone makes a big deal about the, the the lack of velocity. There's no one in this rotation that's going to throw over 95 miles an hour on a consistent basis. It's not going to happen. Edward Elzelay is probably the only one close enough, and he's like average fastball speed, 94.6. Um, he'll hit 96, 97 possibly uh, if he reaches backs and really just lets one go sometimes. But he hovers around 93, 94, 95 sometimes. Um, but the rest of these guys, like Jake Arrieta, can hit, you know, mid 90s trevor williams about the same too but none of these guys are necessarily going to be blowing up radar guns this year so a lot of people are kind of projecting a down season for the cubs except for some smart people uh we talked about eno sarge um sarge from the athletic a couple days ago saying that because of the cubs you know uh high quality plus and or command plus and quality of stuff uh ratings that he thinks there could be a good chance that uh this Cubs uh, rotation could be a lot better than people are expecting. Beyond the box score wrote something about this as well, too, the SB Nation site. Uh, Randy Holt, great Cub follow. If you guys aren't following him, you can follow him on Twitter at, I think it's Pink Floyd. Let me take a look here. At, yeah, at Randall Pink Floyd with no I in the pink there. Randall, great dude. Uh, but he wrote a lot about how this rotation, while not going to be throwing relatively hard, uh, could still find success. Uh, realistically, you know, you look at what this Cubs team is built around. Defensively, that's where their their strong suit is. They know they're going to uh, – offensively, they're going to rely on some long balls. They're, they're, they're going to need the power to really drive in runs. And I think that should be okay, especially if Jack Peterson wants to – keep up a 40 home run pace through the season. That'd be pretty cool. But um, defensively, that's really where they're they're That's, you know, that's where the strength is going to be for this team. And especially with this rotation, uh, these guys aren't going to throw very hard. So it's going to come down to them commanding their pitches, locating well, and, and really just fooling batters. Uh, they're going to have to try and rely heavily on their stuff. And we, we've seen a lot of these guys kind of take that approach. Obviously, Kyle Hendricks is, is very much, you know, as uh, Randall points out here in this article, a disciple of Maddox. But then he calls Davies the next generation of that descendant. Um, and it's a similar type of profile. I mean, I know Davies started using his changeup more last year, throws his fastball slower on purpose to get that type of tunneling effect as well as just have these pitches play off one another more effectively. Alec Mills, a similar type of approach. He doesn't necessarily throw his fastball less hard, but he does throw in, you know, a curveball that'll drop at, you know, 69, 68 miles an hour, and then he'll throw his fastball that looks significantly faster than at 91, 90, 89, even at times. Uh, 
so they're obviously playing with speeds, and that's a big help. And really where that helps you is inducing soft contact, and that's where the Cubs are hoping they can be con- continue to be more efficient at. A guy like Jake Arrieta, um, a, a guy I wanted to talk about and highlight specifically. You know, we talk about he's obviously regressed a little bit here. He's at his age 34 35, I guess technically season, he turned 35 on the 6th of March, actually. Happy belated birthday, Jake. Um, but you, you look at someone like John Lester, and I think the first thing that pops out to you, obviously he's a little bit older than Jake, the two years, but um, you immediately start looking at their innings usage, and uh, John Lester is really close to 26 in, uh, 2,600 innings, whereas Jake Arrieta is at 1,500, just barely, 13 innings over 1,500 right now. You look at how many times John Lester threw over 200 innings or came really close. He had three seasons early on with Boston where he threw 210, 203, and 208 innings and then uh essentially a five-year window where he threw over 200 innings between the red sox athletics and the cubs and then after 2016 we see those numbers dip down a little bit in 2011 he threw 191 and two-thirds innings so obviously a ton of usage for john lester uh and it makes sense why he's starting to break down. And you talk about how many times John Lester's post, pitched in the postseason, too. That's another 50, 60 innings as well of experience. And uh, that just weighs on a guy. That's a ton of usage. You look at Jake Arrieta. He's only thrown for 200 innings once, over 200 innings once in 2015. He came very close in 2016 to 197 and a third innings of work. But since then, and even before that, he's never even come close to sniffing above 180 um, innings. He's, his usage has been incredibly lower, and that has had a lot to do with injuries, and it took him a while to get called up from uh, the Orioles. He was uh, made his Major League debut at age 24. For a high prospect like him, you would have thought maybe a couple years earlier he would be up and ready to go, but Jake, it obviously took a moment for him to f- for things to figure out and click in, and he really didn't become the guy that I think everyone knows him as until he was 28, 29, really. It was later on in his his career where he really started to become an everyday starter and, and, and was sticking in a rotation for the Cubs and then you know, obviously signing with the Phillies. So um, I, I'm encouraged by Jake. I, I, I was a little nervous to start spring training. He, he got shelled in that first start he had, but since then he was looking a lot better. He's had some great stuff, really nice break on that cutter slider. Um this velocity is, we've seen him hit 93, 94. He looks like Jake Arrieta for a little bit. You know, we'll have to see how that goes over extended 162 game season. But, um, you know, Jake, for a guy who's 35, has probably about like 800 innings less than he, he probably should. I, maybe not 800. I would say maybe like somewhere between 400 to 600 extra innings he probably should have had if he stayed healthy. That hasn't happened. Obviously, it's harder to continue to pitch at a high level once you're getting older, your body starts breaking down. One of the biggest things for Jake was being able to, you know, work Pilates and create that flexibility, helping him just feel more comfortable and repeating his rotate his his motion to the plate. Um, it's a tough high maintenance thing for a guy like Jake Arrieta. Everything has to be balanced correctly for everything to work the way he needs it to. But when it's on, obviously we've seen it. He can carry a team. I don't know if he can do that at 35, but it's not hard to think that Jake with the type of stuff he has and the command that he has can still locate in the bottom half of that strike zone, induce a lot of soft contact and miss bats sometimes when he needs to. He's not like a John Lester who's got another thousand innings on him and doesn't really have an out pitch anymore. Uh, John, even when he was pitching his best for the Cubs these last couple of years, it was very much him dotting the corners, hitting the black, fooling guys into thinking he was throwing one pitch and getting the other. He had to kind of not necessarily smoke and mirrors his way through a start sometimes. But I mean, John Lester, very the gutting out a, a start was basically hand in hand with what John Lester, <laughs> his MO was with the Cubs over those last couple of years. 
years. Jake Arrieta is not quite that guy. He does have better stuff. He has a little bit better velocity, obviously, than John does, and he still has that high-quality stuff, that command of his pitches that should allow him to you know, hopefully not get hit too hard this year. And with the defense behind him that he can rely on, to get these ground balls, convert those into outs. Let you know, J- Jason Hayward's going to steal some balls that should have been singles as shoestring catches. That's going to happen, and those type of things help keep a guy from being taken out in the fourth inning to you know letting him go for two more innings because someone made a great play defensively or they turned a double play to get him out of trouble. Those things are the the, the stuff the Cubs are absolutely going to rely on. And when you look at the rotation and what exactly you'd be looking for to, to play off that strong defense, the Cubs have a lot of arms that make sense in that regard you could say that it you know the trio of mills uh davies and and hendrix alone is enough to make you think okay this this could be enough to to make this work um so i i'm uh i'm i'm optimistic about this rotation and it feels like a lot of people are growing um on that on that optimism too it feels like there's more people kind of coming into that corner as well and i i don't think i mean obviously the, the rotation is going to take a step back your team's going to take a step back no matter what when you're trading a a, a scion candidate like you darvish there's no question this team is not going to be nearly as good as it was last year that's that's unfortunate and a lot of that has to do with the rotation definitely taking a step back but I still think this rotation can be good enough for the Cubs to win games. And when I think about the Cubs offense being able to drive in maybe four, five, possibly six runs per game, I don't think this rotation is on a consistent basis going to be giving up more than four, five, six runs a game. So I think there's a good balance here. I think the Cubs pitchers might get hit some days, and that'll happen when you're relying heavily on contact to get outs. That's just inherently going to happen. You're going to run into a guy like a David Bodie, for instance, who absolutely crushes pitches in the lower half of the strike zone. And it's going to be tough for guys like Hendricks and whatnot to go high in the strike zone because they don't have that type of velocity. So there's going to be days where someone hangs a pitch and they give up a three-run shot and the Cubs, you know, <laughs> algorithms of winning baseball games by getting low, you know, soft contact and ground balls to convert them in the outs is going to get blown up. That'll happen. But I think there's enough here and there's enough experience in this rotation now, too, where you could say um, you could you could see this group finding success and being maybe not as dominant or even truly a strength for the Cubs. Um, and e- even still, I think you look at this rotation in a postseason matchup and you're not necessarily uh, concerned or worried about some of these guys post uh, Kyle Hendricks, possibly. But I still think there's enough here where the Cubs could win, possibly push themselves into a wild card conversation, or stay in this rotate or stay in this uh, this division race if the other teams are kind of middle of the pack along with them. But um, there's a lot to be excited about this group. It's not this isn't all bad, and uh, it's kind of hard to maybe look at it that way because we we did lose arguably our best player last year in you Darvish, um, and a guy that I think a lot of Cubs fans really endeared themselves to over the last couple of years after seeing him struggle so hardly to turn around and within two seasons be a Cy Young candidate at 34 years old. It's crazy. Um, he was a fun guy to cheer for, and it'll be exciting to see what he does with that Padres team. Um, but the Cubs aren't necessarily just completely screwed in this rotation. They've got plenty of options here in terms of who they can go to if someone does get hurt. You've got a Shelby Miller who's pitching well. You've got Corey Abbott, um, uh, Tyson Miller, the guys that you're necessarily wild about starting games, but at least like you know you can go to them for something. And you can get creative um, with your rotation or with your bullpen here too as well now that you've got a guy like Alec Mills who can come in and be that swing man come in and uh take a couple innings away from a starter who has a rough outing maybe in the first three innings gets pulled you put Alec Mills in there for two innings and then three innings possibly now you've got your bullpen still set up online to take over where they probably would um 
But the Cubs have at least guys you can turn to, and that hasn't always been the case these last couple of years. Um, so I'm I'm excited about that, but I, I think there's still a really good shot for this rotation to find um, plenty of success here in 2021, enough to where the Cubs can feel comfortable if they are in a good spot towards the deadline, making another adjustment or maybe adding another arm that you know could be available, assuming the Cubs are going to truly try and go for it this year. But uh, if this is the group they're sticking with, these are the guys that's going to be a rotation of uh, Hendricks, Arietta, Davies, Williams, Alzali, and Mills getting in and piggyback starts every now and then, um, it could be much worse. <laughs> it, could, it could definitely be much worse. Hey, Lockdown fans, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, real updates on odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use the mobile app device to sign up today and receive 50% off on a welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKDOWN. The Locked On MLB Division Preview Series continues on the Locked On MLB channel today. Every episode from now until the 31st features in-depth looks at each team in every division. It's all on the Locked On MLB podcast feed right now. Follow Locked On MLB on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Today is the NL West. Yesterday was NL Central, actually, so you'll hear myself as long as, as well as all the other NL Central hosts you've heard over the last couple weeks talk about um, what they're expecting from the season's preview and you know what, what they're expecting from each one of their teams. We have the NL West today, which is going to probably be one of the best divisions in baseball, if not the best division of baseball, at least at the top with the Padres and uh, Dodgers. The teams below them, maybe not so great. Um, but Still top-heavy division that's going to probably produce two playoff teams, I would assume. A uh, lot to be excited about there, but check that out at the Lockdown MLB podcast. But here on this show, the third and final segment of today's show, Marquee announced that they are getting rid of the suits and ties. They are no longer going to have their broadcasters be sitting in there with uh, you know, a suit on, trying to get that more professional, old-school look. It decided that they are no longer going to be doing that. And Marquee released a promo yesterday uh, showing Boog Shambi and JD um, and uh, just looks like Marquee pullovers or whatnot with a video of them, you know, basically like screenshotting a bunch of tweets of people yelling at them on Twitter um, about the stupid jackets and ties. Yeah, it was kind of a dumb look. It didn't really fit baseball. I get what Marquee, I guess, was trying to go for, but it, it was stupid. Um, Britt Taylor did point out from Bleacher Nation that apparently if there's one good lesson we've learned, good or bad, is that yelling loudly on Twitter can result in changes at Marquee. Um, so, hey, if everyone wants to join with me to yell at them about them still not being on Hulu and them not being on any other type of streaming service like YouTube TV, uh, Sling, Fubo TV, like they're not they're not an AT&T. Like what is going on? Uh, the way to start a network where, you know, a good amount of your, uh, you know, viewers, fans, whatever you want to call them, can't watch because you are a Fox RSN and they don't have some type of streaming rights now with a bunch of these bigger cable streaming providers. So stupid, but I guess good. They got rid of the suit and ties. I mean, what, whatever. Uh, it was stupid. Um, I'm, I'm glad they did it, but it's also kind of like, okay, well this is, if you, you know, they, they tagged this with uh Marquis new catchphrase this year as we get it uh no you don't but that's fine <laughs> you don't and you probably won't but that's fine as i say that as uh they are the title sponsor for this podcast so hopefully they don't pull their funding but uh, whatever man that's stupid 
Make it so everyone can watch your stupid station, and if you can't, let them pay for it through the app so they can stream it. I don't get why that's so hard. Oh, I actually, I do. It's because cable providers are paying them a stupid amount of money to uh, literally make it as exclusive as possible so you can pay higher premiums if you are a premium cable subscriber. But, hey, what do I know? So... Other things I have gripes with, uh, Sammy Sosa anniversary. Yesterday was the 29th anniversary of the Cubs trading with the White Sox to get Sammy Sosa. Um, as we know, he went on to be one of the most prolific hitters in baseball history, one of the biggest reasons the Cubs became who the Cubs are now in the 90s, getting that, you know, all the fans come in, win or lose, they're always there, they drink a beer, they're having a good time. That really started to be cultivated in the 90s when Soso and McGuire were going through this home run chase and then so on and so forth with Soso continuing to bash balls and crushing home runs. He was the biggest story a lot of times during the summer and uh, clearly was a big part of the reason the Cubs have the type of fandom they do now. Um, but it's even more awkward when you think about, like, like I said at the top of the show, the Cubs Facebook page, and even I saw this on, like, Marquee Network, they would be, like, teasing or they'd have their game of the week where they'd focus on, on like, a big Sosa moment, you know, the, the moment or, like, one of the times in June or July when he went on that hot streak, and I think he tied McGuire three times one night or something like that. They were going back and forth. They played some game like that. Um, it's just awkward to see the Cubs acknowledge Sosa in that regard, but then, like, not even, like, have him come to Cubs convention, um, never have him come back for, like, a first pitch or sing the seventh inning stretch or even just, you know, be on the field or at a Cubs game. It's very clearly the Cubs have, like, divorced Sosa. And it's been that way since he left the team in 2004. Um, I understand some of that. The exit he had was pretty pretty awful. Um, the team itself did not like Sosa, the teammates itself, that being. Um, and clearly the Cubs moved on from him after that season. So uh, things have never really been... Uh, figured out or emancipated and it feels like a lot of these issues stem from Sosa's assumed steroid use um, regardless of what happened Sammy Sosa brought the Cubs a stupid amount of money and a crazy amount of uh, just forever marketing merchandising that Cubs hat was incredibly infamous with Sosa uh, it still is sometimes like I, I forgot watching that long gone home run uh, long gone summer documentary from ESPN, which wasn't necessarily the greatest, but like, oh man, all the Pepsi commercials with Sosa McGuire, that one where they're climbing Mount Everest to see who hit a ball further on the mountain and stuff. And I don't know, it just, there was a lot of pop culture in the nineties and early two thousands that revolved, revolved heavily around Sosa and that Cubs hat. And for the Cubs to not at least pay some type of like, I don't know, an homage or just, you know, to tap, they tip their hat to a guy that really brought them just stupid amounts of money for years on is, is pretty, it's pretty egregious. It's, it's sad. I'm not necessarily saying Sosa needs to be welcomed in with open arms, but I mean, let's stop pretending the guy's a cat outcast and stop pretending too that Cubs fans wouldn't lose their mind. If Sammy Sosa came in and threw the first pitch seventh, saying the seventh inning stretch, you know, I don't know. was it like a, a guest coach for a coach for spring training. Like why not have this guy interact at the very least? Like, I mean, Mark McGuire has been a batting coach for a bunch of different teams, a hitting coordinator, whatever you want to call it. He's been helping younger guys hit and whatever you want to say, steroids or not you hit over 600 home runs you clearly understand something about baseball and you have some type of imparting knowledge or wisdom you can provide now we don't really know what's going on in Sosa's life maybe he doesn't want anything to do with the Cubs himself too but it doesn't seem like that's really the vibe it does feel like Sosa's been freezed out by the Cubs I don't understand it I I guess I get it to some extent um, but I don't understand why um, the Cubs don't feel like they owe Sosa something because they do 
that is today's show. We appreciate you guys sticking around. It's been a, uh, a fun couple days leading up to opening day. I'm hoping we can get Ryan Davis on the show tomorrow before open, or to preview opening day. Otherwise, we'll be talking through this Kyle Hendricks start against the Pirates. There's nothing like opening day, day game at Wrigley Field, though, right? It's a pretty exciting time, and I'm uh, I'm very glad baseball is back. But we'll be previewing that and more for you guys. That'll be out early Thursday morning. I'll record that tonight, so you guys will have that ready and be all set for your opening day matchup against the Cubs and Pirates. But that is today's show. We appreciate you guys sticking around. Make sure, if you have not yet, that you're following us on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. Make sure you're following the podcast on whatever podcast app you use, whether that's Spotify, Apple, uh, uh, TuneIn app, Stitcher odyssey make sure you subscribe or follow excuse me no longer subscribe you follow the podcast leave a five-star review but that's our show today guys we appreciate you sticking around enjoy opening day tomorrow and as always go cubs